we are in a series that it's entitled James Faith Plus Action. And this sermon series is simply a detailed look at the book of James as we go through it verse by verse and, and look at this very practical book in God's Word. Now, two weeks ago, when I shared with the church family, we looked at the end of chapter 2, which concluded with these words, For as the body apart from the Spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. You know, that verse, in a way, it gives a good summary of what James is saying throughout this letter. That if you claim to be a Christian, then the way you live your life should demonstrate it. You know, James would clearly question whether a person's faith is genuine if his or her life doesn't display the qualities and actions of a person who loves God. James most certainly was even aware in his day and time that even within the church, there were false claims and deceit happening of people who claimed to be Christians but didn't live it out. Even keeping that in mind, it's interesting that we read in the next verse in James chapter 3, verse 1, this. He says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that the one who teach will be judged with greater strictness. In fact, let me even remind you of this. Don't forget, when James wrote, he didn't write with chapter and verses, okay? When he wrote his letter, it was one letter from beginning to end. The chapters and the verses are put in there for our study purposes to give us designation, all right? And so when James wrote, they weren't there. So he wrote this letter, and he went immediately from saying, look, faith apart from works is dead, to saying not many of you should be teachers, all right? Now, why would he say that? Because obviously of this, he encountered many people within the church even who were teachers of God's word who he would have questioned their walk with the Lord. He would have at least questioned their motives and their actions as teachers. He probably observed that what Jesus had observed with the scribes and the Pharisees when he said to the crowd and his disciples in Matthew 23, these words, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do, for they preach, but do not what? Practice. And you see, James would obviously say, don't preach and not practice, but rather he would say, practice what you preach. He even made something very clear in verse 1 of this chapter, that a person should enter the role of a teacher with great caution, because those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. I mean, why would James say that? Why would he say that, that a teacher was going to be judged with greater strictness? I think it's because he understood the responsibility of teaching is an amazing responsibility. First of all, this, a teacher is responsible for not teaching their own opinion, but teaching the truth. I think it's something today that many teachers, all right, preachers even need to know in our day and time where it seems like so many people want to teach their own opinion. They want to teach what they think. Listen, a teacher is responsible for not teaching their opinion. They're responsible for teaching the truth of God. And so James would say, man, it's a huge responsibility. It's not what you want to say. It is the truth that you're called to share. Also, I think James knows this, that a teacher affects the lives of many people when they, when they teach. For example, just this morning, I'm going to have the opportunity, as God has given me the responsibility of being the, the teacher-preacher here at Valley Creek, I know that I'm going to have the opportunity to, to preach and teach to 500 people this morning or more, all right? And when I think about the people that those 500 are connected to, the opportunity that I have to affect lives this morning is great, all right, just in one little message. 
privilege. And James would look and say, teachers, you've got to understand your influence is great. Understand that responsibility that you have, that you are affecting many, many lives. Also, I think James would say this, you shouldn't be teachers because you need to know that the teacher is also responsible for living out the truth that is taught. Here's what you know, that even this preacher this morning, I'm under a greater microscope than those that are sitting in the pew today, right? In fact, you've come to church with many people today, and you might see them out and about during the week, and what many of them do, you're not really going to care much about, but if you see me out during the week, I guarantee you, you'll watch me to see what I'm doing, to see if I'm living what I'm preaching, will you not? You see, it's it's a microscope that all teachers and preachers live under. And James was saying, listen, many of you shouldn't be teachers because, listen, there's a great responsibility and you need to understand it because he goes on to say, if you're in that role, you're going to be judged with greater strictness. And so, again, be cautious about taking on the role of a teacher. Now, as I say that, here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to discourage some of you this morning because God is clearly calling some of you to be teachers on some levels. It may not be a preacher. It may be the teacher of a life group. And I'm going to say this. If God is calling you to that role, you ought to say yes to that. But I would say this. Accept that responsibility with great care because God says to be in that role, it is a huge responsibility. And listen, you're going to be judged based on how you fulfill that role. All right, now, once James, though, makes his statement about teachers, he moves to a general word for us all about our tongues. Uh, As he moves to verse 2, it starts this way. He says, for we all stumble in many ways. All right, look at this. For who? For we. All right, I want you to get this. For we all. He's moved away now to just talking to teachers in general, but, but I think he's talking to all of us now, and he's got a word for us about our tongues, that we need to consider that these things that are in our mouth called a tongue, and look what he goes on to say. He says, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to also bridle his whole body. Okay, now what we get from that is this, folks, the tongue is hard to control. You know, it strikes me that when I read this and I hear that I I can control what I say, or as I'm referring to it this morning, my tongue, then I can be a perfect man. I take notice of that. How about you? Any of you about here want to be perfect? I want to be perfect. Anybody here just want to be perfect? Nobody wants to be perfect? All right, okay, thank you. Yeah, I want to be perfect today. I want to be perfect even though I realize I am not, and I realize that I don't have to look any further than this little tongue in my mouth to realize that I'm not perfect today. Even if I consider that the word translated perfect here in James is a word that can mean complete or mature, all right? It can be translated mature. It can be translated complete. I realize that still my tongue tells me that I've not fully arrived. In fact, I've still got some maturing in life to do. Anybody else want to say amen to that? All right, got a little maturing to do. Think about this. Don't we have a hard time controlling our tongues? Don't you have a hard time controlling your tongue? It might not be that you have a problem with profanity, but you have a hard time keeping your mouth shut when you should, right? In fact, Shorty, I heard between the sermon that you like to say something like, I should have used a glue stick rather than the chapstick, (laughs) right? Is that, is that right? Is that what you say? Okay, sometimes we ought to use that glue stick rather than the chapstick, okay? Because we have a hard time keeping quiet. 
What we do, again, it may not be profanity in our life, but we get caught up in gossip, talking about someone, even though the Bible would tell us that we should not speak evil of others. You find it hard not to inject your opinion when the, the occasion really calls for you to be quiet because all your opinion is going to do is cause an argument. In fact, my guess is during this presidential election years, many of us are going to open our mouths when we should have just kept quiet, right? But if you are honest today, we would look at James and say, well, I agree with him. This tongue is, is hard to control, and if I can control it, I know I can control the rest of me, but likely most of us this week will say something like this, I can't believe I just said that, or I wish I'd have kept silent, or maybe we'll say something like this, I, I probably shouldn't say anything, but, and then we'll finish that with saying something we shouldn't say, right? That's probably going to happen to us this week. We, well, we need to recognize that the tongue is hard to control because James goes on to remind us that the tongue is powerful. In fact, look at these next verses this morning as he goes on. He says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, and though they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And James here, what he does, he uses several illustrations to make the point that the tongue, though it is very small, it has much power. A small bit into the mouth of a horse can make it obey. A small rudder can guide a large ship in a direction. And as a forest can be set ablaze by a small spark, James wants us to know that the tongue has the power to do many things. Many of us, in fact, this morning, we know the power of the tongue, don't we? For some of you this morning, it was a simple words of a teacher that looked at you and said, you are so gifted in writing that caused you to love written communication. For some, maybe it was the words of a friend who looked at you and said, man, you got a beautiful voice and it sparked in you an interest in singing. For some of you, it was the words of a mentor who said, I can tell you're going to do well in life that gave you the confidence to pursue your career. I know for me, when I look back on my life, sometimes it was the simple words of people in my life that changed the course of my life. For example, I remember one night, the simple words of a preacher who was sharing the basic gospel message of Jesus Christ changed my life. As he shared that night that we were all sinners and that we all needed a Savior and that his name was Jesus Christ. And if we would give our heart to him, he would forgive us of our sin and give us eternal life that sunk into this little kid sitting in the pew. And those simple words, I'm here to tell you, changed the course of my life because I found forgiveness of sin and I found hope even for living life. I also shared with you before that it was the words of a middle school basketball coach that inspired me to want to put God first as a middle schooler. And it really got me to thinking about how I was going to spend the rest of my life. It was his words that really inspired me to want to minister to others. I can tell you his words were very powerful in my life. Now, I know as I share those examples, I realize that some of you, your experiences were completely different. For some, the words of a parent that said, you will never amount to anything has caused you to have such self-doubt that you still struggle to this day to believe that you have any worth. Or maybe you had a teacher who told you were dumb and you still believe it and so you wonder if you're ever going to achieve anything great in life. Or maybe for some of the ladies here this morning, it was a boyfriend in your past who told you you were ugly and it caused you to question your beauty and even struggle in every relationship you've been in since. These are all negative things, but here's the reality. It is the same, that, that what is spoken to you has had great power on your life. And I say that, and I give you those examples to say this. We all have to realize something, 
that we have been a part. We have been a part of speaking words, okay, into people's lives. And we have to realize that what we say and how we say things will often dictate the course of another's life. And what I'm saying is this, if we all need to recognize that the tongue is powerful, so let's be careful how we use it. In fact, one of the reasons that we need to recognize the power of the tongue is because of what James says next when he shows us that the tongue is dangerous. All right, look at what he says in these next verses. He says, in the tongue, look at this. Look look at how he writes here. He says, in the tongue is a fire, a world of what? Unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set, look at this, set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. Look at this. It is a restless what? Evil. Full of deadly poison. See, these words from James about the tongue are not very encouraging. They are a reminder to me of one of the greatest lies that we've been taught in a poem. Y'all probably know this poem, and this is not new to you, but one of the greatest lies we've ever been taught in life is, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know that's a lie, don't you? Because words are not only powerful, they are very dangerous, and they can destroy lives. James wants us to know this. He wants us to see the danger of the tongue. Consider again some of the things that James says about the tongue in these verses. It is a world of unrighteousness. It is set on fire by hell, a restless evil full of deadly poison. James here is recognizing an uncomfortable truth that many times our tongues are used for all the wrong purposes. Too often we find that our tongues are used to speak evil of people. That our tongues are often used to tear others down. That our tongues are used to promote our own evil agendas. That our tongues are used to tell lies. And no matter who we are this morning, we have to realize that truth because I imagine this, that even the best among us today would confess that you've been quick to spread a rumor that you didn't even know if it was true or to speak bad about someone who you felt had done you wrong or simply to tell information that you heard that spread bad news about someone, or maybe even you were quick to tell a lie to cover up for your own shortcomings, right? In fact, why don't we do something? Why don't we make a confession? Can we do this? Why don't we confess and say, that's been me? Can we do that? I'll do it on three, okay? One, two, three, that's been me. See, these tongues, they're they're hard to control, right? In fact, well, look, I, I already got you to say something right there just by counting to the three. These tongues of ours, right? They're even easily manipulated too many, th- too many times. We have used them for all the wrong and the dangerous things. We do have to recognize the tongue is hard to control, that it's powerful and it's dangerous. But let's look at another thing James recognized, which is this. The tongue can be used for good or bad. Consider the next two verses. He says, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. You know, if I'd have just stopped before verse 9, we'd have been a little depressed, would we not? We're really discouraging because we'd say, what's the hope of this tongue if it's just full of poison, if it's set on fire by hell? What is the hope, all right? I'm thankful that we get to verse 9 where James at least says, here's a ray of hope because verse 9 tells us that there is another possibility for the tongue because with it we bless our Lord and Father. 
Now, this should make sense to us because this morning, I hope you've used your tongue to bless the Lord. Have you done that? I know some of you had. I heard you a while ago. You used it. In fact, as we were singing songs together, you were using that tongue to bless the Lord. Were you not? Now, granted, some of you says, listen, I didn't really sing because if I had sang and I opened my mouth, it would really have sounded like a curse. I understand that. All right. But here's what I know about God. If you'll just open your mouth and sing, even if it's off key, the Lord receives that as a blessing, amen, because he wants just even the noise coming from our mouth as we seek to praise him with our lips. And I hope that you've done this this morning, and that's what God wants us to do, to use these mouths to bless him. See, here's what we don't have to do. We don't have to accept that the tongue can only be used for evil. Even though that might be its tendency, it doesn't have to be. James here clearly acknowledges that blessings and cursings come out of the same mouth. And he wanted to clear that this should not be the case. And we can without hesitancy say that James would say that the mouth should be used for blessing and not cursing. But we have to realize that it can be used for either good or bad. Now, as he finishes out this section, he really hints at something that I want to get to this morning Look at the final two verses of this section. He says, does a spring bring forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Now, James makes use, again, of rhetorical questions. If you remember the last time I shared with you, he used rhetorical questions. It seems that he loves rhetorical questions. And in asking these two questions, followed by a statement that a salt pond cannot yield fresh water, he is wanting to make the point that this, listen, the tongue, all right, the tongue will reveal your heart. James would say, just as a fresh spring cannot produce salt water, The tongue of a righteous person cannot produce unrighteousness. Or the tongue of a good person cannot produce evil. James wants us to consider above all, what does the tongue say about who we really are? James would agree with that assessment, or Jesus would agree with that assessment because in Matthew 12, Jesus taught this. He said, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? Look at this. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks... For the good person out of the good treasure brings forth, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth. I tell you on the day of judgment, people, listen, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. You know, the lesson here is clear, that ultimately what our tongues speak proclaim the truth of our hearts. Okay? If you are speaking evil, your heart is evil. All right. If you are speaking profanity, it tells me your heart is profane. If you are speaking life, your heart is full of life. Do you get the point? Here's the point. Was whatever our heart is, that's what's going to come out. You, you should get that, that picture. Our tongue reveals our heart, whether that's good or whether that's bad. Now, as we consider what James has said about the heart, I I believe it calls us to consider what do we do with this information. I never like to make observations without considering what does it mean for our life. Are you aware of this, that information without application is useless? Shake your head this way. Information without application is useless. So many, many people have a lot of information they've never applied, and so what they've known has gotten them nowhere. So here's what I want to do with this information. Here's what we're going to do with the information to discuss. What I want you to do is first is this. I want you to accept the truth about the tongue. Let's realize how hard it is to control this little tongue. This little thing is very hard, right? 
Let's realize it's hard to control. Let's realize it's powerful. Let's realize it's dangerous. But let's also realize that it can be used for good or for bad. Let's also realize what it says about our heart. Because if we accept this truth, here's what we're going to do. We'll be ready to try and to tame this tongue. Or at least we'll be ready to try to use it properly. And so we need to accept the truth about the tongue because so many people use your tongue carelessly without giving it thought. And if we remember Matthew 12, 36, that reminds us that we will give an account for every careless word we use, then maybe we'd be a little more careful with our tongues. What do you think? Yes. Now, as we accept the truth about our tongue, can I do this? Let's consider today that when it comes to this principle that we're looking at this morning, some of you need to consider your fingers as an extension of your tongue. You know what I mean, right? Today, people use social media such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat and the like, and, 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 and they've done that, and here's what we've done. We've replaced the spoken word with the typed word. So these things right here, it's kind of like this, right? Kind of replaced it. And here's what I've discovered. Because we're using now the type word to replace the spoken word, I found the fact that people, because they're not facing people face-to-face today, they're saying worse things than when they were looking somebody in the eye. Have you ever noticed that? And then to top it off, because the things are not being spoken face-to-face and there's not contact, that contact, we're not able to read body language. We're not able to hear tone. And because of that, people are more and more being misunderstood in their communication, all right, because you know a lot of communication is about verbal, I mean, nonverbal communication, right? What do you see and what do you hear? Y'all know that, right? And today, because we're using our fingertips to do our speaking for us, for our tongue, all right, we have all this miscommunication going out there. I wonder if anybody here today has ever typed something to somebody or about somebody, and they, because they read tone into it, and they read your facial expressions into it, they completely misunderstood you, and even though you tried to explain it to them and make it right, it's like you never got over that. Don't raise your hand, but you're all going like, yeah, this happened to me, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Everyone here has probably experienced something like that. Well, we need, and, and, and what we really do is need to truly consider that our fingers are an extension of our tongue, all right, that, that he warns us about today. So what we're applying, accept the truth, apply it to our fingertips at will. Because if you accept the truth about the tongue, here's my, my prayer would be that it would give you caution about what you say or about what you type. And here's why I say that, because Proverbs 18.21 says this. Look at this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. You hear what I'm saying? Today, with your tongue, with your fingers, you have the power of life or death. And God would say, you need to be aware of that. You you need to accept that today, all right? Because I want you to accept the truth about the tongue, because then what I want you to do is this next thing. I want you to let God change your hearts, okay? If we were to go back to Matthew 12 where Jesus taught about the mouth speaking out of the abundance of the heart, just before those words, he said this. He says, look, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its what? Its fruit. Here's the reality for us. If our mouths are going to speak right, the heart has to be right. Amen? And ultimately, only God can change the hearts and give us a heart for Him and give us a heart that speaks for Him. You hear what I'm saying? For some this morning, the answer to your tongue problem is giving your life to Jesus Christ. 
Are, are you aware of this, that the Bible teaches this, that we all by nature are born evil? Did y'all know that? Shake your head this way. If you didn't know it, you know it now. The Bible tells us that we were all born evil. We were born with a sin nature. So when it comes to your tongue, guess what? Naturally, it speaks evil. That is what is your natural state. But the Bible teaches us something great, that God knew we had a sin problem. He, he knew we had a heart problem. So what did he do? He sent Jesus Christ to this earth to do what? To die for our sin so that we might be forgiven, and not only forgiven, but that we might be given a new heart, that we could kind of have a heart transplant, so to speak. So this evil heart of ours could be replaced with a heart of righteousness, a heart of goodness. All right, and so for some of us this morning, here's the reality. What you need to do, if you're going to control this tongue in your life, you need to first give your heart to Jesus Christ and let him overcome your sin problem. Now, some of you are going to say, well, Brother Scott, I gave my heart to God years ago, but I'm still struggling with this little tongue in my mouth. Well, can I say to you, for some of you believers, there is still part of your life, still part of your heart that you need to give to the Lord. In fact, maybe here's what's happening to some. Maybe some of you, you have an area of your heart where you're holding a little bitterness, for example, and you're letting that bitterness remain in your heart, and because of that, your mouth is speaking evil. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? And here's what God would say to you. Why are you keeping that in your heart? Why are you keeping that bitterness in your heart? Because that's doing you no good. In fact, here would be my prayer for you. My prayer would be for all of you today, the prayer that Paul prayed for the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians 3, 5, where he said this, may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ, okay? That would be my prayer for you. My prayer would be, again, look at this. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. If you will let God, listen, direct all of your heart to the Lord, I believe he can control your tongue today. Because if you'll let God change your heart, look, look the next step is just simply this. Exercise self-control and use your tongue to bless. Can I remind every believer of something this morning? That if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, that the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is living in your life. Right? Y'all know that, right? Well, Galatians 5.22 tells us about the fruit of the Spirit. Look what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what is that? Let me ask you, can you control your tongue? Everybody took a deep breath. Nobody answers. What happens? Why do, when I ask that question, do you go... And I just say yes. Why? Because we find it hard? Yes. But according to Galatians 5 there, that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, and so God can give it to us. And what that tells us as believers, we can control this beast called the tongue. And what does God want us to do with this tongue? He wants us to use it to bless. In fact, listen to just a couple of verses from Proverbs. It says, listen, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Can I ask you this question today, believers? When you open your mouth, do people find life? Because isn't that what he wants it to be? He wants it to be a fountain of life. And so when you open, do people find life coming out of it or do they come death coming out of it? Because God would say, listen, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. How about Proverbs 12, 18? The tongue of the wise brings, think about that. When you open your mouth, does it bring healing or does it cut people down? See, what God wants to do is this tongue, it's to bring healing into people's lives. Now, as I say that, let me, let me go ahead and remind you of this. Some people, when they hear this, all right, they'll misunderstand because I want you to, don't get me wrong. 
Even when you're speaking life into people and even when you're speaking healing into people, it means there are times that you have to say difficult things to do that. Are you aware of that? In fact, if you don't know this verse, you ought to write this down, memorize it. Proverbs 27, 6 says this, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You know what that means? There are times as a friend you have to speak truth even when it hurts. Shake your head this way. Even when it hurts, you have to speak the truth. But a tongue that speaks truth to a friend is better than an enemy who just tells something or someone what they want to hear. They multiply those kisses. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? In fact, a little earlier in Proverbs 26, it said this, A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. In reality, if you lie to a friend just to spare their feelings, it could be the same as hating them. Something you sh we should all remember, all right? Because sometimes even when you're bringing life, it's hard, and you got to speak those truths. However, as we continue to consider how to, to bless with our tongues, we should keep in mind the words of Ephesians 4.15. I love this verse. It says, rather speaking the truth in what? Love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head of Christ. You know, when we speak truth, it should always be in love. Even hard truth should be in love. Amen? Are you aware that you can speak the truth in something other than love? Y'all still with me this morning? Talking about y'all's tongues is hard on y'all, isn't it? I can see it. It's all over your faces. It's hard. Okay. Here, here's what God would call us to do. Even when we're speaking sometimes very difficult things, God would say this, always do it in love. Do it in love. Right? See, we just speak the truth in love. One other point I'll give you this morning, then we'll close. Titus 3, 2, where it plainly just says this. Speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy to all people. Just keep that verse up just a second. Look, if you would. Look at this verse. I wonder if you took this verse and put it on your refrigerator, put it on your mirror, and you live this verse out this week, if it would change the way you speak this week. Look at it. Speak evil of no one. Speak evil of who? I wonder if we, had, if we went back this last week, if we could look and say, I spoke evil of no one. I wonder if our tongues would have changed if we just lived that out. Next week, speak evil of no one. How about to avoid quarreling? Anybody having quarrels this week? Hmm. I wonder if something would have changed about our last week if we knew this verse that said, no, I'm not supposed to quarrel. Or, or how about to be gentle? Did you speak harsh to somebody this week? Were you, were you rough? All right. And he says, be gentle. How about showing perfect courtesy toward all people? Would our mouth this past week had a, would have had to change if I just lived that one little verse out in my life? Well, I'm here to tell you, if we give God our heart, our tongues can change to where we can even live that verse out. It, it says so much to us. Now, simply as I close, let me ask this. What does your tongue say about your faith? You know what I want us to do this morning? I should have brought a tongue depressor with me this morning, but I didn't. But here's what I want us to do. I want us to all look at God and stick out our tongue and say, ah, ah. It's, it's okay, you can do it. And just let God look at your tongue and ask, what does my tongue say about my life? When God looks into your mouth, when you go, ah, to the Lord, the first thing he's going to look and say, he's going to tell you a few things. He's going to say, oh, I see something that's very hard to control. He's going to say, I, I see something that's very dangerous, okay? I, I, I see something that's very powerful. Those are givens, right? But here's the big question. When you open up and say, ah, to the Lord, I want to know, does he see a tongue that speaks good or bad? 
does he see a tongue that, that, that reveals your heart is evil or that your heart is good? All right? I can't do anything about the fact that my, my tongue is hard to control, right? I can't do anything about that, can I? I? I can't even do anything about the fact that it's powerful. It just is. It's naturally. I even can't even do anything about the fact that naturally it's a dangerous thing in my life. But you know what I can do? I can determine about, listen, am I going to give my heart to the Lord and so that God can then control this thing, this beast that's in my mouth? Because I know if I give my heart to the Lord that he can help me, can I not? To the point that I can get to where I would look and say, my tongue is speaking blessings rather than cursings. And so the question is, when you stick your tongue out, what does God say about it? And I would hope today that as you accept the truth about your tongue, that again, you let God change your heart, that you again, leaving this place, exercising self-control to the point that your tongue truly does bless and not curse. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to come to the invitation. And you don't literally have to stick your tongue out this morning. But would you let God, would you let God diagnose your tongue this morning? And what does it say? In fact, there's some, here's what we need to do as we come to this invitation. Some of you need to come and say, Lord, I, I know that I've misspoke this week. I, I've used my tongue in all the wrong ways. And again, maybe it wasn't this tongue, maybe it was these tongues. Remember, you, you got, I'm telling you that you're leaving. Go back and just tell somebody, tell your coworkers. My preacher told me this week, I have 11 tongues. All right, these 10 and this one, that's 11, right? And I, I'm trying to control those. And maybe what you need to do this morning is you need to come and say, Lord, what I'll need you to do is I need you to take control of my tongue because it's out of control. Maybe you need to ask forgiveness and say, God, please forgive me for what I've done because the good news is he can forgive you. But as you do that, also say, Lord, here's what I want you to do. I want you to change my heart. Maybe you need to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. If that's it, listen, that's where it begins for you. But maybe others here, here's what it simply is. God, you know in my heart there's bitterness for somebody. You can fill in the blank. Or there's hatred, blank, and you need to fill that in, and you need to come and say, Lord, what I want you to do is change my heart because, Lord, as long as that area of my heart is not changed, I'm probably going to continue to speak evil. God, I'm going to continue to let stuff come out of my mouth that shouldn't. And, God, today what I want is your heart. I, I want to have righteousness coming out. I want my mouth to be blessing and not cursing. And so maybe today you just need to come and say, Lord, take my hearts, okay? And so today as we come to this invitation, as God looks into your mouth, he, he diagnoses your tongue, what does he see? And do you need today to let God have control? I pray so, so that we can leave here blessing this world and not cursing. Let's pray with me. Father, as we come to you today, Lord, again, I thank you for James and just his practicality. That, Father, we can just read that passage and, Lord, just get so much just by reading the simple words and knowing, Lord, today that we need to control our tongues. And my prayer would be for all who are here today that, God, that you would just work in their lives and help us to be people who speak blessing and not cursing. Because, Father, this world is full of so much trash coming out of mouths. And, Father, your people should be an antidote to that. And I pray as we get ready to leave this place shortly that we'll be leaving this place ready uh, to be people who speak in ways that are pleasing to you. And so, Father, if something needs to be done during this invitation for hearts to get right with you, I pray this morning we'll see people who will just give their hearts to you and allow you to control their tongues. Because, Father, again, that's, I know what we need to do this morning. And so bless this invitation time. Help us to truly give our tongues to you. And as I pray these things, I pray them in Jesus' name. Amen.